0: Welcome to this episode of Have You Eaten?, a podcast brought to you by Neurum Health, which aims to bring open conversations about mental health straight to your ears. I'm your host, Steph Ng, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join me on today's audio adventure. This podcast is named Have You Eaten?, because this question is commonly asked to indicate concern for others in our local culture. And we really think that it embodies our podcast's mission to invite listeners to join the conversation about how we can care for our own and others' mental well-being. In today's episode, I am speaking with Dr. Charmin Shroff, a registered Hong Kong clinical psychologist who has extensive experience training and working in the UK, US, and Hong Kong. In this episode, we discuss the hallmarks of a good romantic partnership, typical challenges that partners can face, and how we can take concrete steps toward improving our romantic relationships. It's a fascinating episode filled with lots of knowledge nuggets, and I'm so excited to share it with you. Hi, Charmeen, thank you so much for taking the time on this busy Friday, (laughs) this rainy Friday, to speak with us on Have You Eaten? Um, And I'm really excited to pick your brain and to talk about um, the hallmarks of good relationships, the challenges that people might face, and um, perhaps how we can start to improve these relationships in our lives. Um, So before we get started on the questions, I would like to ask you a question (laughs) that um, we ask all of our guests, which is, have you eaten?
1: Uh, Hi, Steph. Thanks so
0: much for having me
1: on today. I really appreciate it. Um, I think this is going to be a really great discussion today, so I'm excited about it. Um, Yes, I have eaten. Um, I have, I made it a point or I do make it a point to have breakfast every morning. I did go through a period where I was skipping breakfast and just going straight Mm -hmm. to coffee when I got into work, but I'm Mm -hmm. really trying to make more of an effort to have a healthy breakfast, which sort of sets you up for the rest of the day then. So yeah, I think I had yogurt and muesli this morning for breakfast.
0: Amazing. I love to hear that. And I think I always think about breakfast like, you know, it's a bookend of your day. You start off um, in a way that um, promotes self-care for the rest of the day. So you're like, I deserve this in the morning and I this is going to bring me forward into my day in a, in a lovely way. And um, yeah, so I, I love that you have been committing to that practice.
1: Yes, it's definitely right. a priority. I've been trying to make it a priority.
0: Awesome. Love that. Um, So I'm excited to get straight into the questions and let's kick it off with the first question, which is um, what are the hallmarks of a good romantic partnership and what are some of the myths that you'd like to bust about, you know, what the quote unquote perfect relationship is?
1: (laughs) Sure. So I think um, it's important to remember that in any relationship you're going to face difficulties, right? There is no such thing as a perfect relationship or like a perfect list of ingredients or recipe that I can give you to make a perfect relationship. Um, that being said, there are some elements of a healthy relationship that we can definitely focus on. Um, so, so I would say, you know, there, there are quite a few elements of, of a healthy relationship, you know, feeling comfortable being yourself. Um, feeling ex- accepted and respected for who you are as a person, feeling uh, safe physically and emotionally in the relationship. So it's not just about physical safety, it's also emotional safety that you're able to communicate your needs and and not feel judged for having those needs um, and respecting each other's boundaries, mm. um, which I think is a big one. Feeling supported and listened to um, when you, Can trust your partner, and when your partner can trust you, Um, and you know having um, honesty in the relationship and fighting fair. I think I think that's a big one. Mm. So no relationship is going to have all of these at all the time, and I think that that's important to remember because oftentimes when we when we list this sort of laundry list of a healthy relationship, people can think, "Oh my goodness, I don't have that," therefore my relationship isn't healthy. And that's not the case at all. Um, You know, it's part of our culture to idealize relationships and from Hollywood to Disney movies, to fairy tales and rom-coms. I mean, um, we're raised to believe that relationships should be perfect and there's always that happy ever after. But the reality is that no relationship is perfect all of the time. And so they all have ups and downs and every partnership is different. Um, But a strong, healthy relationship, I would say, is grounded in most of these characteristics most of the time. In terms of the hallmarks, I think that's probably what I would list out for the hallmarks, at least.
0: That's great. And I think um, I love how you say that this is these are things that you um, optimally should have most of the time, um, but allowing for fluctuations things that, you know, there are always times when someone is going through something hard and for there to be an understanding there, um, which as you, as you have said, you know, it doesn't happen in Disney movies or in rom-coms. You just see this very perfect picture of um, like people just showing up all the time in this way um, or, or on the flip side having lots of fights, um, and having these very toxic relationships that are shown on screen, right? So it kind of always portrays these extremes on the ends of the spectrum and never really like the, the mundane everyday kind of, just as you said, you know, like, um, the everyday interactions, like just feeling safe with each other, those not really glamorous parts of, um, the relationship aren't shown on, on screen. Would you say that's the case?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely agree. And, And it's interesting the way you phrase that the not really glamorous part of the relationships because those are the hallmarks that make a relationship, right? It's not the big mm. gestures and the, expensive <laughs> and, you know, all of these things that led to believe means someone cares about us. It's actually these smaller day-to-day things uh, that make mm. the biggest difference in our
0: relationships. Yeah, I love that. Um, it's it's helpful to remember that because it's um, it's kind of like, it makes me think about the news and when um, there are these um, big events that are shown or these um, catastrophic things and we, we start to believe that, oh my gosh, like these are the things that happen all the time um, and um, that are defining our entire landscape, that, um, our everyday landscape. And I, it just makes me think about what you said, you know, that... Um, even though, um, yeah, perhaps it's nice for our partners to do certain things for us that are glamorous and, um, cool and, um, like, uh, meet our needs in that way. But it's those small nuances of everyday life that really make, um, just like the consistency in the relationship and what, um, how the partner can really show up for us. So, um, that's yeah. really important to remember. I love that. Yeah.
1: And I guess then that, that kind of leads into the second part of your question about the, um, mm perfect relationship myths that we have. Mm. Right? Because yeah. one of those myths, I guess, would be this kind of over glamorization of things. So these big gestures make a relationship and they don't. Um, you know, I think one of I, I I I've been thinking about, I guess, what are the things that I see most often um in terms of practice and and things that, you know, individuals will come to me to talk about in their relationships and and mm one of the assumptions that we have is that the right relationship doesn't require work, that it will Mm. just kind of work out if it's right. Like uh, the right relationship shouldn't be this hard. Um, Actually, all relationships are hard. Um, Relationships take work. And so I think our culture kind of ingrains in us this attitude of it shouldn't, like it should be easy if it's with the right person. And, and i don't believe that actually i think all relationships are going to be tough at certain points the important factor i guess is looking at it and saying is it tough all the time because if it is tough all the time then maybe that's something that needs to be addressed but if there are the tough parts but also the parts that are really good i think that's pretty normal in a relationship
0: yeah i think um as you said you know um, it's trying to distinguish between like what is what is appropriately difficult um, and acknowledging that there are always going to be fluctuations in how the relationship goes. And also like what is not appropriately difficult, like what is too much for you. Um, and yes. that that's quite a subjective thing too, right? You know, like how is that, do you think that's true? Just like how much a person can tolerate and um, like it can be different or do you think that there's like kind of more of a standard of um, like what would be inappropriately difficult? Um,
1: yeah, I think it is pretty subjective. Everyone has different levels, uh, different thresholds. Everyone has different mm-hmm. ideas of what a relationship um, would look like to them and what's acceptable to them and what's not. I think there are obviously some very uh, uh, there are commonalities in what we should all draw the line in. You know, there are things. You know, any type of abuse, uh, mm-hmm. physical, emotional, um, any time where you're constantly feeling invalidated by your partner. I think that's somewhere to draw the line as well, Um, and just toxic communication, right? Um, It's not to say that you should never fight. Actually, this is another myth I think that people have that healthy, happy couples don't have conflict, and they do. Um, Conflict is healthy, actually, Um, and it's inevitable in all of our relationships. I don't think it's possible to have a relationship, an authentic relationship without conflict. And, and it's there for a reason. And sometimes we forget that, that it's there to improve our understanding of our partners, right? Through conflict, you can actually have great resolutions and really get an understanding of your partner, yourself, what your boundaries are, what your partner's boundaries are, and then you can work together to see how that works in your relationship.
0: I love that. And I think that's a really important reminder um, and um, is actually a really nice way to lead into the question that I have next, which is the challenges. And um, yeah, why do you think that relationships can are, are typically likely to break down? Um, like what are some of the main challenges that partners can face in, in conflicts that um, make it difficult perhaps for them to recognize that conflict is natural and um, that it can actually, as you say, like um, really help improve the relationship.
1: I think I think to answer that question, it's important that we kind of look at um, research, right? Because because I think that there is a lot that we can glean from research and statistics and evidence based practices. And so, um, John Gottman, I'm sure you must have heard of him. He's kind of the world renowned couples therapy expert. Um, he's kind of considered an expert in predicting uh, the success or failure of a relationship. Actually, based on some of his earlier studies, he could predict. Uh, which couples would have a healthy relationship, and which couples would actually um, eventually divorce, with like a ninety-three percent accuracy, which is pretty high. Um, wow! <laughs> and so I think it's important to kind of look at his research because it's so extensive. It's not just a small sample. It it really is. Um, it really is very valid and very reliable. The data that he comes up with, and so he he says that there are you know, potentially five different things that I guess uh, couples would do that would lead to the breakdown of a relationship. And he's very clear on what these five different things are. So I can just sort of briefly talk you through them because I think they're quite interesting. That um, the first one is what he calls harsh startup. So it's basically that you can predict the outcome of a conversation based on the first three minutes of an interaction with, I think he claims it's 96% accuracy. So depending on how you start that conversation, you can predict the outcome of it actually. And so if you start it with like criticism or sarcasm or anger or contempt, it's likely gonna end on a negative note. And so this is one of his biggest predictors of marriage or or relationship breakdowns is how you start your conflicts. Um, He then goes on to talk about what he calls the four horsemen. So um, it's, he kind of uh, defines them as like certain types of negativity in in a relationship that if allowed to kind of run its course and run rampant without being controlled, they're so lethal to the relationship that he's termed them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Right? Um, And their criticism, content, (laughs) defensiveness and stonewalling. So, I mean, they're pretty self-explanatory, but you can kind of think about criticism as um, anything that your partner says that makes you feel rejected, assaulted, or hurt. And again, with this, I, I wanna make sure that we're not assuming our relationship is doomed to fail if there is any type of criticism in our relationship because that's not the case. It's more that when it becomes a pervasive problem in your relationship, that you're continuously feeling this way. Because when we have conflicts and one of us gets angry, it's likely we are gonna say something that's gonna feel pretty critical to the other person every so often. That's okay, as long as you guys can talk about it um, and, and there's some type of resolution. But if you're pervasively feeling rejected, hurt, and assaulted by your partner, that's not a healthy sign of a relationship. Um, The second is contempt. So contempt is um, when we're really truly mean to somebody else, we disrespect or mock them. We use sarcasm, ridicule, call them names, mimic them. It doesn't have to be verbal either, actually. Contempt can be body language, so it can be eye rolling. Um, kind of huffing or scoffing and that's one that we see quite a lot that partners may not actually verbally be expressing contempt but uh, the gesture of seeing someone across from you rolling their eyes can feel actually very contemptuous to you absolutely and and it's Mm -hmm. that idea that that your partner is made to feel despised or worthless and that's probably the biggest predictor of breakdown of a relationship is contempt. Mm. Um, then there is defensiveness, which I mean is typically a response to being criticized, right? And we all we all get defensive. This is a totally normal um, human reaction to when we feel like we're being criticized or when our relationship is on the rocks. But again, it's if it's pervasive, if you're never willing to take responsibility for anything in your part of the relationship. Mm. And I would say the last one then is stonewalling, which is when we shut down completely. So we withdraw from the interaction, we shut down, we stop responding. Um, Rather than actually dealing with the issue and confronting our partner, we turn away from them. And that can feel very, very alienating to our partners. And so I think that these, the Four Horsemen and the Harsh Startup, Research has shown, and and it's not just John Gottman and his research, it's many, many other um, researchers on relationships that have found that these five things, however you want to, they may have different names, but they are a very, very accurate predictor of the success of a healthy relationship or a relationship that might end up in a breakup or divorce.
0: Yeah, thank you for, um, for bringing that up and for explaining all of the different components. And I, um, it's really helped me clarify and think about it in terms of um, a framework which helps my brain. And I think well, it's, it's helpful for many people's brains because I think sometimes it's hard to group together um, things that are very they seem like disparate strands of um, behavior and you don't really connect the dots essentially until something happens, something explosive happens or something that undesirable happens. So I think this kind of, um, framework is really helpful. Um, and I also really like what you um, brought up about it, um, only or becoming more of a problem when it becomes pervasive, because it brings me back to what you said earlier about how, um, it's, it's, um, you know, these relationships or, um, good behavioral patterns and relationships are, um, it's about feeling safe most of the time. And like this being something that, you know, characterizes the relationship most of the time. And when there are things that, um, you know, are undesirable, sometimes like, you know, um, with defensiveness and criticism, they're bound to come up sometimes in re- in in our conflicts and in our interactions, but um, having grace for each other in that way, but also, um, you know, trying not to <laughs> to do it too much such that it becomes something that is rooted or starts to characterize the relationship is, a, is such a good reminder um, to have that balance of expectations for for every person I love that so yeah and I
1: love I love the word that you just use rooted as well right because it really I mean that's what happens with some of these behaviors if they're sort of once or twice then it's okay but otherwise they start to kind of grow roots into the foundation of our relationships and then you know as you know from you know trees if the roots are damaged that the tree can't grow at all and so it, it's a really great word to describe it
0: yeah and it um you know extending that analogy even it's like when the tree grows and um it's like on shaky ground um and um yeah it's bound to it's not going to be a strong tree or it's going to be a tree grown in uh, you know in some the fruit's gonna be bitter (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) so um yeah just um I I love I love analogies so that really makes sense to my brain too
1: Absolutely. I think analogies are some of the most helpful things, right? Because a theoretical concept can feel very, very difficult to grasp. But if you can use an analogy or a metaphor or something that helps you, your brain process it, it it makes such a big difference.
0: Absolutely. Um, and yeah, with that, I, um, I think we can move on to the next question, which is related, but um, a little bit um, separate, which is about COVID, actually, because um, from what I understand, COVID has impacted the nature and dynamics of um, our relationships in significant ways. And I'm just wondering from your clinical experience and um, what, from studies, um, what you think or what you have, you understand to be the um, the ways in which COVID might have changed um, the dynamics of romantic relationships?
1: Yeah, I think um, research wise, there isn't a whole lot of data on this yet. And I think yeah. just generally COVID and anything to do with um, relationships or mental health and how this has affected us emotionally rather than physically, there isn't a whole lot of data, unfortunately. And, and I think in the, the next few years, we'll really have a lot more data on this. Um, for my experience of what I've seen in my practice and, and just the, the environment around me, it's interesting because I don't want to make a blanket statement and say that the pandemic has negatively affected all relationships. I think it's definitely put stressors on relationships, but there are actually some relationships where partners have ended up feeling close to each other during the pandemic Um, so because they're in closer proximities or because there's an understanding of different sides of their partners that they've never seen before so example um seeing your partner on a work call and seeing that more professional side of them actually is a side that some of us may have never seen of our partners and so there is that part of the pandemic that actually people are saying that they do feel closer and have a better understanding of their partners Um, and some couples have been able to establish new routines and traditions that work with them as their closer family unit that I think has been great as well. So whilst I do think the pandemic has probably negatively impacted a lot of our relationships, there I do want to also mention that there are some positives too. Um, in, in a more kind of negative sense that the pandemic has impacted our relationships, I think that feeling of being trapped has been really highlighted. So the feeling that you're trapped and isolated and not able to focus on relationships outside of the home was a huge one at times when we were, say, in lockdown or the beginning of the pandemic where people were more fearful of going out and we were all kind of staying at home a little bit more. Um, It can feel quite suffocating being around the same person every day for a long period of time. And I guess, one, you're missing out on opportunities outside of the relationship, those opportunities that um, you know, form our identity, sometimes our other relationships are outside of our romantic relationship. And two, you miss the opportunity to have that solitude and alone time. Um, even things like just watching your favorite TV show with nobody else in the house to judge, you know, that you're watching some rubbish reality TV or no one's <laughs> interrupting you. Th- those things can actually be quite. Um, energizing and restful for us. Sometimes we need days like that where we just don't have anyone else in the house. And so I I think there's definitely that time with others and time alone that was lost during the pandemic. Um, I also think being with your partner 24 seven kind of takes the mystery and romance out of the relationship and takes that sense of missing your partner away. Um, you know, most of us were probably used to partners being away on maybe business trips or, or trips with friends or even being in the office the whole day if, if one was at home and one was in the office. And just that that time apart, just you miss the other person as opposed to never having an opportunity to miss them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the other thing that I've noticed is because we're all feeling... A little bit more anxious um a little bit more isolated a little bit more low even if you're not uh, to the spectrum of like uh clinical anxiety or depression all of us have experienced struggles with our mental health in the last 18 months R- regardless of where you fall on that spectrum i don't know anyone who hasn't struggled and so if one of us are feeling like that in a relationship, it's it's likely the other person is probably feeling like that as well. And we're all kind of at our own capacity. And so being able to be there for your partner can feel very, very exhausting. And then you start maybe feeling resentful towards them or feeling like they're not there for you. And so when we don't have our own capacity to even help ourselves, we can't be there for someone else. And that is gonna cause conflict and arguments in our relationships.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I find it um, really helpful for you to kind of distinguish between, um, you know, just like how the pandemic has impacted itself um, and that being a very important reason why the relationship can be impacted as well. Because when we can't even meet our own needs, um, for example, you know, feeling like we can have space for ourselves, um, then how can we also then put energy and intention into the relationship?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think all of us have felt at some point this year, you know, uh, different feelings of sadness, grief, loss, loneliness, irritability, anger, Mm -hmm. and all of those feelings are going to make us argue with our partners more because we're all feeling it and we don't (laughs) know what to do with it. And so it's inevitable that we are going to argue and it's inevitable that we're not going to be able to hold space for our partners in the relationship.
0: Yeah. For sure, and, um, you know, and I also do appreciate you bringing up the um, the positive sides um, because I think it can be scary, you know, um, it's just scary to think about um, the, the negative aspects of um, being impacted by COVID. And I think I have been, even just um, when I asked the question, right, like skewing towards asking you, what are the negative impacts of COVID? But I just never imagined or never um, took the time to appreciate that there are very positive things also that can happen um, because of COVID and um, just, uh, you know, like being able to see a different side of our partners and um, being able to be in closer proximity to them, to understand them in different ways, um, to have deeper conversations, whether those be, um, you know, those of conflict, but also those that actually help us reach a better understanding. So I love that balance and I didn't even think about asking that. So thank you for bringing it up.
1: No, not at all. Um, and yeah, I, I I, mean, some of the stuff that I know some couples are doing are great it, it's and it doesn't have to be big things. Again, it's as simple as like, during the beginning of the pandemic, when we weren't all going out a lot, you know, ordering some puzzles online and doing puzzles yeah. together and or cooking together. Um, finding time to actually plan for the future and savings and what do we want to do with our finances and just having those discussions that we always want to have but we never find the time to have and so if anything the pandemic has kind of given us time to refocus our goals our priority is and as a couple that's that's a fantastic exercise to do every so often i mean it's something that i would encourage every couple to do every so often is just sit down and talk about what are our goals as a couple where do we want what do we want our future to look like
0: yeah and it goes back to what you brought up at the start which is those simple things it's um it's like the the mundane the the everyday conversations about um about Goals and um, about personal growth—that um, you know, I, I personally think is very exciting to talk about, but also is not not so interesting to put on TV. <laughs> so we don't see we don't see role modeling for that often. No. So um, I think that it's important to remember how important they are for. Um, for relationships in general, you know, beyond romantic partnerships, just even with family members and um, talking about how the, um, you know, relationships have been going, just analyzing the communication patterns as well. Um, Just like looking, kind of looking um, from a bird's eye view at the relationship, I think is a really good practice, as you said.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also, I wonder, as you were speaking, that it's also generational, that our generation Mm. is looking for that spark and that excitement and that passion. And if you look at maybe our parents' generations, actually these small mundane things, they were probably pretty good at doing, uh, mm. sitting down and figuring out, okay, even even if it's where's our next paycheck coming from and what are we doing next and what do we want to save for for the future? And yeah. um, there probably wasn't a lot of spark and passion and romance in the same way that we think about it in terms of our generation. Ah.
0: Uh definitely a generational thing. It feels like um, perhaps it's because of the inundation of more media, um, where it kind of leave the ground a little bit, (laughs) where it's like dragged away by a balloon of fantasy.
1: (laughs) Um, Absolutely, and social media too, right? All the comparisons Mm. that we draw from other couples on social media and how we want our relationships to look like that too. And we never see what's happening behind the scenes and behind closed doors.
0: Yeah, the most prominent thing I remember um, about, um, someone described social media to me as like the highlight reel of someone's life. And we just don't think about, that those are literally um, stationary pockets that are glamorous. (laughs) And (laughs) and no one sees the in-betweens, the like reading between the lines, all those pieces that, um, as you said, like behind the scenes, like what people are actually going through on the day-to-day, what people are not posting, um, so. Yeah, that's a really great reminder in general. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, I, this brings me to the, the wrap up of the episode and um, to ask you if you have thoughts um, about um, three tips, perhaps that you would give people um, to, to partners um, hoping to improve their relationship. What are some things that people can um, act on, tangible things? Sure, I think,
1: as we've sort of said throughout this episode, that there isn't three specific things that I would recommend to everyone. And it's different for every person because relationships are different. But if you go back to maybe the Gottman research and those four horsemen, I would think about the opposites to those four things that that are really important that we practice in our relationship uh, you know, daily, weekly. We, we're just conscious of, of them. Um, so almost um, like the antidotes to the four horsemen. So the antidote to criticism and the harsh startup would be gentle startup. So really trying to think about how do we want to frame this discussion that has the potential to escalate in our relationship with our partners. So avoid saying the word you, you know, start with, I feel like this, not a blaming statement of you always do this. It's more a, I feel that sometimes, this is what happens in our relationship. Already you've kind of taken off the, that harsh, I'm being blamed, I need to go into defensive mode. Um, there isn't blame, there isn't criticism, which then prevents the discussion from escalating. So just think about what do I feel and what do I need? And then try and express it with I statements. Um, the other one, the antidote to contempt then would be building a culture of appreciation and respect. And this is the, as we've been talking about, the small things often, right? So it's not about the big grand gestures. It's about expressing appreciation and gratitude, respect, just saying, thank you. I really appreciate that you did that for me. Even if it's something simple like them making you a cup of tea every morning, that thank you actually makes a very big difference to the person who's going out of their way to do something for you. And it makes a very big difference in how you feel about your partner as well. It's not just about the other person, because what happens is we create a positive perspective in our relationship when we express gratitude and appreciation. So all these sort of positive perspectives and these little moments act as a buffer for the negative things that happen. So if one day they forget to whatever it is, put the milk back in the fridge We're not as annoyed with them because we haven't been thinking you always leave the milk out of the fridge and you never do this. We've actually been thinking they actually do quite a lot for us and I'm very grateful. So it's not that big a deal. And so I think that culture of appreciation and respect is very important in relationships. Um, The antidote to defensiveness is taking responsibility. And the key with this is not to negate how you're feeling. So it's not a, I have to apologize for a certain perspective or opinion it's a I'm sorry that I made you feel this way or I acknowledge that I made you feel this way this is what I was thinking and explaining yourself so it's not that your partner always has to be right it's I acknowledge my partner but I'm still telling you how I feel Um, And then the last one, the antidote to stonewalling is, and and I think this is one of the biggest things in relationships with any type of uh, big conflicts or or harsh conflicts is self-soothing. And this is the key here, because again, if you are not feeling good about you and you're feeling like all your emotions are all over the place and you feel completely overwhelmed, you're never going to be able to have a constructive conversation with your partner. You're going to shut down. You're going to feel attacked. You're going to want to just get the hell out of there and escape. And so it's really, how do I take a break? If the conflict is starting to escalate, how do we take a break here and avoid stonewalling, avoid bottling up our emotions, exploding at our partner? Because none of those things are ever gonna get us what we want, right? And, and if you are gonna take a break, um, make it at least 20 minutes. And I say this because again, research has shown that this is how long it will take you for your body to physiologically calm down. Because even if you're feeling, okay, I'm okay to go back into that conversation, your heart rate might be up, you might be, you know, physically you're still feeling really agitated. So you're actually not ready to go back into that conversation. So really take a 20 minute break, say to your partner, I need I need to take a break right now and I'll come back and I'll discuss it with you when I'm ready but now is not the right time. And hopefully your partner can respect that and understand that you are communicating. You're not shutting down. You're saying I need some space to go away and self-soothe myself and figure out how I understand my emotions, how I process them, and then come back and have a constructive discussion. Great. (laughs) So I know that's four things and not three, but I think those are the things we could possibly be doing Quite regularly in our relationship, there's quite a few opportunities to use these four things in our relationships. Actually, that that really do create a healthier
0: culture within within
1: our romantic relationships.
0: Yeah, and I love the word culture, and um, it reminds me just of the like consistency is key. The um, make make the positives and the safe space the norm, so that when hard things happen when challenges arise, there is a buffer for that. I I think that's so important to remember. Um, and um, I also really appreciate that reminder to take care of yourself um, in the relationship too, because um, yes, it's about the relationship. It's about the both of you, but also about you, you as a person in that relationship, you have to have, um, essentially, you can't pour from an empty cup um, concept. So um, I really appreciate that um and and thank you for also for the reminder that there no relationship is the same i i just really appreciate you you reminding that it's there's no such thing as a blanket statement that applies to every single couple healthy boundaries are going to look
1: so different for different people
0: for sure um so that's this is this is an awesome episode and i personally learned so much i and um and I will be putting in your social media links at the, um, in the um, episode um, notes so that people can find you and your work. Um, but wanted to say again, thank you so much for taking the time um, and, and thank you for all of your advice and insight. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's been great to discuss this with you as well. And I really appreciate you inviting me to be on the podcast. Have a super, super day, and hopefully we'll have you back on here soon. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, I love that. You too. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Have You Eaten? hosted by me, Steph Ng, and featuring the super Charmeen Shroff. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Shroff and the incredible work that she is doing, head on over to the show notes to find her social media links. I hope that you loved this show and that you join me again on the next audio adventure. If you liked this show, the best way that you can support us is to leave us a five star rating and review on the platform that you are currently listening on and to share this episode with your friends and family. You never know who might need some words of encouragement and support right now. So be sure to keep your loved ones close and to share knowledge that could help them take better care of themselves. If you have any questions or just want to chat, please email us at podcast at neuromhealth.com. That's podcast at neuromhealth.com. You'll also find a link to this email in our show notes. We're excited to hear from you all.